You're listening to Black and Gold Rush, episode number 28. You're painting a picture, obviously, of the play, but also I want them to be able to feel the emotion. I want them to feel like they're at the game. If they're not, I want them to feel what third and eight at the 18 means and what's going on. And, and if you can convey that emotion and paint the picture, that's, you know, and get out of Deuce's way, which I know I'm going to do. Uh, I think that, that's a win, you know? This is Black and Gold Rush, the podcast where we talk about all angles of New Orleans Saints football. I'm your host, Rachel Jones, and I've been a Saints fan all my life. So I know just how much this team means to our city, both as a former reporter and from my season ticket in Section 257. Whether it's breaking down game tape or telling an inspiring off-the-field story, I'm here for it because the Saints bring us together. Let's get going. Hello again, Houdat Nation, and welcome to another episode of Black and Gold Rush. Before we welcome in today's guest, Mike Haas, I wanted to hit on some actual news that happened here in the heart of summer. You might have heard the Saints have the highest paid right tackle in the NFL now. Ryan Ramchek just signed a five-year, $96 million contract extension, including $60 million guaranteed. You know, when I think of Ryan Ramchek, I think of Mr. Dependable and Mr. Reliable on the Saints offensive line. And when the news broke and I was reading the articles that came out after the signing, the stats really prove that out. He's part of the Saints banner 2017 draft class. And when you look at what he's done in his first four seasons, he's only missed one game, only one game. 70 career games, he's been on the field for every single snap, 64 times, 64 out of 70 games. Talk about dependable. And he's been all pro in some form the past three seasons. In 2020, he gave up just two sacks and committed only five penalties. When the Saints were getting into all sorts of trouble, Penalties were often the cause last year. So if they can get rid of a lot of the penalties, I think they'll be off to a great start. So congratulations to Ryan Ramchek and his family. They welcomed a brand new baby in January. So the Saints, their offensive line, they've locked up really four of their five projected starters. They're under contract through at least the 2022 season. So that's been a hallmark of a lot of their offensive success under Sean Payton. So excellent news considering what we're going to be watching unfold at quarterback. So I wanted to hit on that before we welcome in Mike Haas, as I mentioned, we're going to transition to him. He is the new voice of the Saints, a man who wears many hats, a requirement in today's media era. You know, I've been listening to WWL radio for as long as I can remember. When I'm listening to a Saints game and I hear Deuce McAllister say, it's a New Orleans Saints tradition, I can finish the sentence for him. (laughs) And if you're a WWL radio listener, I know you can too. Turn down the sound on your TV, pause your DVR, and turn up the Saints radio network. 
insert day and time here. In my younger days as a Saints fan, when Hoagie Guy Jean was the color man, usually it was next Sunday at noon. <laughs> we could, the Saints were guaranteed that noon time slot. So my dad introduced me to this proud tradition, and my husband and I still watch games here in Lake Charles with TV sound down and radio up without fail. <laughs> so it was announced a Depending on when you're listening to this, it could be a couple weeks ago, maybe maybe a little bit longer ago, that Mike Haas was going to be the new voice of our beloved New Orleans Saints. He's become a New Orleans icon since 1989, when he arrived in the Crescent City as the number three sports reporter at WWL-TV. And since then, his roles have included weekend sports anchor, sports director, news director, communication strategist, Saints and game reporter, and now play-by-play broadcaster. So we're taking Mike Haas down memory lane, where he grew up, what inspired him to pursue broadcasting, because it wasn't, it wasn't something he always dreamed of. Lessons from the, the, the legendary Jim Henderson and how he applied for this role not once but twice. Those are just some of the, of the topics we cover. So I really hope you enjoyed the stories we share as the Saints prepare to embark on the 2021 season that feels like a new era, not just on the field with their many roster changes, but also in the booth. It is their third play-by-play man in five years, after all. So be sure and stay until the end for the random round, when one of my questions for Mike is if he's chosen a pump-up song for game day. His answer's a good one. So let's get to it. Let's not waste any more time. Here we go. The one and only Mike Haas. Mike Haas, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a whirlwind time for me, so uh, I'm not quite used to it. I'm used to being in your seat, calling a bunch of people to line up guests. I'm not used to being in this seat, so it's been crazy. I know. So I was just going to ask you how much the dust has settled since the announcement that you are the voice of the Saints. Pretty, you know, I mean, I'm still doing some some podcasts and some radio interviews, mostly along the Saints radio network, uh, who've been very generous and calling and, and doing some of those. So that aspect is, has been, you know, pretty steady, but nothing really the first couple of days. It wasn't so much requests for interviews. It was just texts from my friends and emails and Facebook. And, you know, I'm still answering the texts because that those are the hardest because those are the people that probably I know best, but they're also the people that would understand why I haven't written back to them. But it's uh, the first few days were, I mean, and still really overwhelming. Um, And so I don't know, I've never been in this really position before. So it's, it's new to me, but uh, you know, I'm excited, but it's, you can, and also I'm sitting as we speak at my current job, uh, I'm a, communications, um, media relations manager for the Superdome. So I'm back at work. <laughs> so I'm just, right? I'm just working. Uh, so <laughs> as we're wrapping up the uh, renovation for phase two uh, and getting ready for the football season. So it's, 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 it's been fast. 
Wow. So, right. Going from one role with the Saints to another. So, so much is changing for you personally and also for the Saints on the field, in the radio booth. We, we have so much to, to, to talk about. Um, I'm, I'm eager to dive into your whole story, which many people may or may not know, Mike. So tell us first, where did you grow up and fill us in about Mike Haas as a child? Okay. I grew up in Manassas, Virginia. And so if you're not familiar with Manassas, it's just a suburb of Washington, D.C., 26 miles. Um, You know, typical childhood, you know, my dad, mom, my dad was a a lawyer and then eventually a judge. My mom was at home most of the time, but she did some paralegal work. I have one sister, uh, Carol, who we were born 11 and a half months apart, uh, which didn't mean a lot to me until I had kids. And then I went, were you you guys crazy? 11 and a half. That that seems almost mathematically impossible, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she lives in North Carolina now, as does my dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom passed in 2017. Uh, So I was, you know, I was a very fortunate kid. I was introduced to golf as a young person, like a third grader, and just loved it, got hooked, played junior golf my uh, growing up. Uh, in the D.C. area, Virginia area. And that was the plan, golf. I was going to be a professional golfer, and that was it. That's all I wanted to do. Uh, Went to college on a golf scholarship at James Madison University, and that was the plan. There was no backup plan. I had no plan B. Until my junior year, when I realized as the number four or five golfer on James Madison's team, Mm -hmm. I was going to be a pretty poor professional golfer. and thought I better get a major. Okay. <laughs> I better, I better start working on plan B and, 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 and literally f- fell into communications to a friend of mine who was doing some work at the radio station. I did some started to like it really started to love it, started to look more into it. And, you know, spent the last two years of college to just cramming, not much, so much class wise, but as much experience at the radio station, any kind of television work that you could do to really begin that career. And so that's, that's what I did that, you know, broadcasting was, was it. So I graduated in 1984. That was a long time ago and, you know, started a a journey uh, in in local television. So Mm -hmm. in local TV, quite frankly, today, as it was then uh, facing enormous challenges at, at the time, cable, was just coming out. Cable didn't exist. And, you know, we had CNN and and MTV, and this was going to be the death of local television. Never, local TV would never survive in 30 plus years. Here we are still, you know, local TV. Mm -hmm. And so, but I was like trying to find a job and I I landed a part-time radio job in Charlottesville, Virginia, only on weekends, part-time. And so I slept on a buddy of mine's floor for the summer and because at, at any small market TV station, they will have probably 15 in the news department, but only two in sports. So it was very hard to get a sports TV job, even at small markets, until you've had experience. And so I'm, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't, who's going to give me experience in order to get the job? So I decided the best way really into the business was through news. So I, I got a news job 
um, in Harrisonburg, Virginia, which was where James Madison is. It was, it, I mean, it, it was one, if like the fourth smallest TV market there was back in the day. And so yeah. it, it was literally start, you know, uh, but I was happy. I, I did my, I shot my own video, did everything myself, edited myself. And you were a one man band. There, okay. Yeah. I was a one man band. That's what we called it back then. In fact, in fact, it was called a one man band. We didn't mm-hmm. have multimedia journalists. We didn't have MMJs. It was, you were a one man band. Mm-hmm. And, but it was always about moving to better myself, either professionally or to get to a sports job. So i moved from Harrisonburg to Charlottesville, Virginia, but stayed in news, but I was able to do some sports. And then literally two years after I graduated, I got a job in Lawton, Oklahoma, um, which is in the southern portion of the central part of the state. It's a dual market with Lawton and Wichita Falls, but it was a sports job, weekend sports. My, you know, again, I was happy, happy to have it. Spent 367 days there. That gives you an indication of my time in Lawton. Uh, I, I met great people, but it's it's a big army base. It's a it's it's a it was it was a challenging challenging place. So you were uh, happy to get out. I was happy. I was happy to make. I was happy to be there. I made some good friends, but it was not like where I was going to stay. So I went from there to I was. Now I knew on weekends, now I know I got to be a sports director. So I got a sports director job in Lubbock, Texas. And everybody's first reaction is, oh, and Lubbock was awesome. I loved Lubbock. Lubbock, I don't know if you're familiar with it geographically. The the first thing I think of is Texas Tech when I hear Lubbock. That's Mm -hmm. right. It's a college town. But geographically, Lubbock is West Texas. I mean, like we're yeah, on the New Mexico border, right? Right, yeah. forty-five mm-hmm. minutes from, from New Mexico, and we were six hours from Dallas. Six hours, man! I can leave Louisiana, but I was so. But we covered certainly Texas Tech. We covered Dallas and the Cowboys and the Rangers, and it, like it was like we were there. We were six hours away, but it was. I loved it. I mean, Lubbock was like the place that all the companies that hire, no matter what it was, pharmaceutical sales, whatever. They said, all right, we want you to start in Lubbock. And if, you know, you do your two years in Lubbock and then they'll, we'll move you to Dallas and Houston, all these other places. And so everybody there was like 25 and single and we're not planning on staying for the rest of their lives. And so I had a blast. I mm-hmm. loved Lubbock. I, you know, it's a college town. I worked at a great TV station. I did the coaches show for Texas Tech. So it was just an enormous experience. But the whole goal at the time was get back to D.C. The, you know, I, I grew up watching Washington, D.C. television. So that was the goal. Go, you know, get your earn, earn your, your stripes, get your, you know, get your legs under you. And then someday work back to D.C. That was the whole plan. And so I in Lubbock, my weekend guy, I was a sports director, yeah. I had to apply for a job in New Orleans. And his tape came back. We actually physically sent tapes back in yeah. those days. And I was like, oh, there's a job opening in New Orleans. And I was like, I've never been to New Orleans. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't visit it. Never. So I was like, well, what the heck? So I sent it a tape and was lucky enough that I'd done a couple of golf stories on the resume, just stories about golf. And the news director at the station, Channel 4, mm-hmm. uh, loved golf, loved those stories. And so when I say 
it, it was just a stroke of luck that I got hired by WWL, which at the time was a national powerhouse sitting in market 30 in Louisiana. I mean, it was just luck. And so, you know, but again, I was thinking two years, you know, I was not, I didn't know anybody. I I, I tell this and people get, you know, right. Cause this is 1989, right? 1989. Right. So I've been out of school five years and this was my Harrisonburg, Charlottesville, Lawton, Lawton, it was my fifth job. Mm -hmm. You know, I was I, I was like in the witness relocation program for TV people. <laughs> I would stay about a year, and but that was the plan. I was you know get back to DC, get mm-hmm. back to DC. Right. And so so you didn't know anything really about New Orleans. You said it was the it was the the news director that saw your tape and liked uh, your golf stories. Uh, and yeah. so something when you got the job at WWL. What was your first experience in in New Orleans? Uh, it, it was a sports. It was a sports yeah, director job. No, 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 it was the it was the weekend. In fact, job I was in the weekend. Got, I yeah. was the number three. I was a sports reporter's job. And the beauty of it is because this you talk about things coming full circle. Yeah, Chris Myers, who went on, you know, oh, obviously national. I know that. I know ESPN, that guy. Yeah. Fox and NASCAR. Yeah. He, I didn't replace his spot. I replaced. I mean, I didn't replace him. I replaced his opening. He went okay. on. They moved up, the, you know, the number three to the weekend job. So I became the number three sports reporter, and then got it became weekends like a year later. So it was really Chris Myers leaving and having you know his national aspirations that allowed me to get to Channel Four. So again, very, 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 very lucky there. But yeah, my first—I mean, I've been working at small market television, and my first day, I walk in to the sports office, and I was like, I figured I would like fill out some paperwork and do nothing, you know. Right. And they go, hey, look, we think Mike Archer is going to get fired. He was the LSU coach. Okay. Gonna, I need you to go up and do a live shots at five and six. We got the sat truck already rolling. Okay. And I was just standing there looking at him like, a sat truck? What are you talking about? Like, I've never done a live shot. The sat right, truck. Right. Because you I were never, coming from markets yeah, where you were doing yeah. everything yourself. Yeah, wow. There was no satellite <laughs> trucks. And I was like, okay. Yeah. First day. Yeah. Okay. So they actually didn't get fired, but they had a press conference. Uh, and so it, it was just, they were, WWL at the time was just a step ahead of, 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 of local television. Yeah. And they were a dominant force in the market. We had Angelo, we had Garland, we had Jim, we had Frank Davis. I mean, we just oh had, gosh. you know, this knack for hiring people who would eventually go on to be you know, national stars. I used to anchor weekends with Hoda. Hoda, right. I was just thinking about, I mean, now she's on the Today Show. Like that's that's unbelievable. She actually lived in Virginia. She went to Virginia Tech. I went to James Madison. I'm older than she is, so I'll get that out of the map. (laughs) But so I would give her crap all the time about Virginia Tech because I went to James Madison. So we were, you know, best of friends and still are. So, but I mean, that's, those are the kind of people that would come through Channel 4. That's and so I was just lucky. And so I was, you know, and so I got weekends and this is where the story speeds up. So two years became five, five became seven, seven became 10, met my wife, had kids and suddenly 30 plus years, there's no place I would ever call home. I mean, I did everything you could do at Channel 4, mornings, nights, weekends. I was the interim news director twice. Um, so I had done it all, but I mean, it was never about leaving New Orleans. I did a radio mm-hmm. show a little while ago with a, a friend of mine who I'd known for a long time. And he goes, you know, I've been wondering why after 12 years at sports, did you go over to news? 
Because that seems crazy. I think and, I know the answer to that. I, 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 I have a hunch that maybe because you wanted to slow things down a little. Kind of, but really, it, it, I had the travel, sports travel is brutal. Yeah. But it mm-hmm. was, I was behind the sports director, who was Jim Henderson. Yes. So guess what? I hope you like weekends because you're never leaving. <laughs> and Jim was great. <laughs> he was a great boss. But if I had stayed when he retired, 20, you know, I would have, it would have been, I would have been the weekend guy for 25 years, something mm-hmm. like that. So it was just a, it was a kind of a, a, a mobile situation to move to news. And it was part of the trial. We had young kids at the time and, you know, sports, the football season, you're traveling. And then at the time, LSU basketball was big. We had Shaq, uh, Chris Jackson, and then LSU baseball got big. And then all of a sudden it was like, I mean, you were gone all the time. So news kind of made sense. Although, <laughs> so after 12 years of being the weekend sports anchor, I said, look, I want to, I want to move to news. And they go, okay, you can be our weekend news anchor. <laughs> so for two years, I basically just switched seats. I just oh, moved. Wow. I sat over there instead of over there on the weekends. <laughs> wow. So you, we, we, I first saw you because let me just say like when I was fixated on local journalism when I was a child, like when, when, when I would go like to the children's museum, for example, like my favorite exhibit (laughs) was, was the, was the news set, you know? So all of those pictures are up, you know, Mm -hmm. like Angela, you know, all of them, Hoda. You can pick up the phone on our voice. Yes. It was, it was the best thing ever. So you hosted fourth down on four, you know, Jim Henderson, like, it, it truly was a New Orleans tradition with Saints Radio. My dad and I, growing up, would listen to the pregame show. And when at games we weren't physically at in the Superdome road games, we would listen to the Saints Radio broadcasts with Jim Henderson doing play by play for 30 plus years, you know, and then Zach Streif taking over. And now you'll be filling that seat, which we will get to, you know, how that all transpired. You know, so we think about Jim Henderson's iconic calls cemented in our minds. Pigs have flown. Hell has frozen over, you know, just, just, just one, obviously. Um, when they, uh, after, after Garrett Hartley kicked the field goal that sent him to the Super Bowl, um, what lessons did you learn from working under Jim Henderson for so long? Uh, just give us a snapshot. Of- the, the snapshot is he is a brilliant writer and uh, orator. He, um, he was an English teacher before he got into broadcasting. That's very, very people go, well, of course, that makes sense. I mean, you listen yeah. to him. So he would, I would, I could never write like him, but I, he would always make me, work to be more knowledgeable. I hate to use the word smarter, but he would, I used to have a file. I told him this. I had a file. He would say a word that I would go, what is that? I would write it in my file, go look it up. I would, you could never use it because I can't, you know, you just can't use the word that Henderson uses, but I would just like, he made me smarter, you know? So I I just, I, I always would just, his writing was, you know, to be able to sit next to a guy like that who would write every day, you know, it's just, it was a gift. And so that aspect of it was, was one side. And then I watched him prepare each week for saints and, and the play by play. And at the time channel four 
we would do the preseason games. And when I say we would do them, we would do everything. We had the camera operators. We had the director. We had Jim and Archie in the booth. I did sideline. We did, we did it ourselves. And for a local TV station, that was a big deal back, back in the day. But So I watched it always, the preparation that went into it. And, and I was talking to Zach Street today about this. And think about, you know, when Jim was doing it, there's, there's no internet. There's no, let me just Google the Pittsburgh Steelers and see how they are. What's their, what's their ranking in the latest, you know, runoff? You know, none of that existed. There was sifting so, through the media guides to find that information. Guides and mm-hmm. talking to the other coaches, talking to the people in that market who cover that team. And then Jim would create this chart, you know, this big, and he would write, a little green pen and a little red pen and a blue pen of of the you know the depth chart. And I would look at it and go, oh, oh my gosh, you know, I, I I can't even read it. But I mean, it, but it was it was the meticulousness and the research and the work that went into it. And so that always struck me that it's about being prepared, and no one worked harder than Jim. And you, and that it doesn't, you know, people who listen on Sunday go, oh, that's awesome. Well, it doesn't just happen because no. I would watch it every, you know, Monday, he would kind of you know, do his commentary, which, you know, yeah. it was like a real, it was like a religious event, listening to his commentaries on Mondays. And then oh, from that no point doubt. on, it was, it was prep, prep for the next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I always wondered, it seemed like a machine, you know, when, when Jim would, would, do his his monologue before the games on yeah. on Sundays and then his commentary on Monday on the Monday sports cast like you mentioned and uh so when you mentioned that everything that went into it and say that he made you smarter that that's so cool and uh, I mean did you think about doing play by play like yourself all the way back then I mean Jim oh, yeah. was such a fixture but did those thoughts enter your mind well, that's how you, that's how I felt coming out of college. You know that that mm-hmm. was you know that was something I would have always loved to, to do. But you were kind of you know earning your earning your keep. And then when I got mm-hmm. to New Orleans, after about five years, I went. I'm not going to be the play by play in this town. I I could be the play by play somewhere else, but it's not happening here. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, but it's it's you know when you you know sports broadcasting at college and you get out, that's that's the job you're thinking of. You know, anchoring local news is part of it, but it's really you know what you're what you what you're thinking about is play by play. You know, and at the time, <laughs> there was ESPN was just coming out. We we didn't have ESPNU, ESPN One, ESPN Two, Fox One, Fox, FS Two. We didn't have the multitude of opportunities. It was, it was very limited, and so it was much much harder back in those days to land a play by play or or color uh, commentary just because we didn't have there weren't that many games on. Well, the thing, and the best part about Jim was that he he wrote everything longhand, his commentaries, his monologues. He would we I would see him on the plane or wherever. I would he'd go off into a corner with his pad and he would write longhand. That's how he wrote his commentaries. That's how he wrote his monologues. And then when he had to type, Jim used a manual typewriter in the sports office until he left. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, he would be, I mean, if you'd ever did it, if you ever, I mean, I, I would go, oh my gosh, you'd have to bang away to keys. And the rest of us were on IBM Selectric, what's at the time, were like, woo, big time. And then when we went to, when he did, when he went to computers and he, he had no choice 
but that he that, that he couldn't use his manual again. It was a it was a sad day in the sports office. I can tell you that because he was like, uh, I can't do this. Yeah, you know, just ready it. to throw it in the towel. I can't do wow. it. So, mm-hmm. but it, you know, he was. Yeah, I, I I think people would argue with you that. I got smarter, but that he made me want to be smarter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, oh my goodness. So, and I'm curious, you, you obviously in the sports world, you know, in the press box, you know, that it's, if you're covering a team, uh, you obviously have to put your fanhood aside, you know, in the press box. But, you know, we talked before we start, we, we started recording that um, in 2006, you, you uh, became a, a saint season ticket holder. Um, at, and you, you had moved over from sports to news by that point, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about that. I'm so curious about some of your favorite experiences as, as a Saints fan. Um, what section did y'all sit in? And when it comes to, you know, Saints fans, you know, the games are religious experiences today, you know. So what sparked your deep connection to the to the team? It just will it take as you 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 said it right on at, at the top is that when you become a sports anchor anywhere in the business it becomes your job and you kind of lose that fandom that really mm-hmm. is the one thing that drew you to it in the first place mm-hmm. you know when I was a sports anchor I would go to games in a suit yeah. on a Sunday sit in the press box jot down notes I would go into the locker room interview naked sweaty men. And then I would go back to Channel 4 and work for seven more hours. That mm-hmm. was my game day experience. And all my friends were like partying, you know, let's, you know, whatever. And so when, after I left when I, sports and went in the news, it took me a while. It took me a few years to be at Katrina to kind of be a fan again. And then in 06, we bought season tickets just almost like out of a, just like, all right, well, let's, you know, let's do it. And I don't know what happened. I guess all those years of not being a fan kicked in because I became like a crazy person. Like, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not an enormously proud of it. Like, I don't know what happened. I, we sit in section 317, row 16. Okay. And for like four or five years, I did get better, but like for four or five years, I was, I was like just a f- beyond fanatic. Like I would get so angry at a loss and so angry at the officials. I would, physically get out of my seat at mad at an official's call, run down 16 rows to the platform where the tunnel came out and scream at the ref there because that made all the difference in the <laughs> world. Yeah. And then I would turn around and, I, and I have to walk back up 16 rows, kind of sheepishly, kind of still pissed off to get there to see my wife like this. Just, you know, hiding <laughs> behind her hand. So I, you know, for several years, I got even be, it took me to get beyond really the Super Bowl, maybe 2013, it took me probably six, seven years until I finally got a hold of myself, <laughs> you know, to where I could just go to the game, watch, be upset, cheer, but not where I kind of like my wife would go, well, what, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh Sit my down. Goodness. So, no, no. I, l- let me tell you, like I can strange, I can strangely relate to you because my husband has to reel me in sometimes, even when we're watching games at home. Yeah, if there, if it's a dramatic moment, like a game-winning field goal coming up, and I'm pacing, and he'll try to calm me down, and 
he'll, he'll be like, it's okay. It's just a game. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's on the line. It's on the That's line. Right. And it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's something different with the saints. It's, it's, it, we're, we're connected to them. Like we've been for, for so many, for so many years, a large chunk of our lives. And so we've, you know, cheered for players like, Deuce McAllister, who you will be call- now calling games alongside him. So I'm um, now let's transition a little bit more into your new role. Your, right. How are you preparing together for <laughs> this new dance, as as you yeah. called it? Uh, yeah. are, are, are y'all preparing together, or are you preparing more on your own? What what is it like right now for you? You know, well, first off, Deuce doesn't have to prepare. I mean, well, he's had three different play-by-play right. guys in five he's, years, so, so maybe uh, he—I don't know—maybe he's doing a. I don't know. I don't he know. just Deuce has <laughs> a innate knowledge about the game, and so he's not like what I'm doing. I, I'm researching. I have five books and you know pads for each game: Baltimore, Jacksonville, you know, all the way through. Because yeah. you know, I'm, I'm I'm researching. You can't wait till the week before the game to start working on that team. So. I'm just constantly, you know, since last week, working on my end of it because the worst of it is the first preseason game. The first preseason game is August 14th. It's in Baltimore. So it's not going to be here at the Dome. Strange surroundings. There's 90 guys on each roster. So 180. The starters will play three series. And then it's the third string fullback from Townsend State. And I'm, you know, so basically that'll be like the worst game to do. And I will have everybody that I've known since two years old listening to that <laughs> game. And so, you know, but beyond that, you know what, we're, we'll we'll do a lot of stuff at training camp together. And we, we did a practice game in 2018 together. If you, you know, you, everybody gets along with this. He's a great guy. He knows the game. Um, and so really, it, I'll, my goal will be to provide a picture of the play and get out of Deuce's way, provide a picture of the play and, you know, get out of Deuce's way. Uh, and and this, the dance part of it will come. It's not going to come in Baltimore. No, you know, it didn't come in Baltimore. You know, the first game he and Jim, and certainly Jim and Zach are different. I'm listening to every game that, that Zach and Deuce did. Just just listening. I'm not trying to emulate. You just listen for the for the the nuances and the cadence uh, of how it goes. There's not, there's not a lot of free time. It, it, it goes pretty quick. So, you know, we've got this much time between now and training camp and, right. you know, we'll, we'll, if we were together last week with the announcement and we'll spend some time together and then we'll spend a lot of time together at training camp, uh, you know, and then just, you know, until, until you yeah. do it, you can practice, I can practice, on, with NFL Game Pass, doing last year's games a hundred times, and it's you know until you're sitting in the booth in Baltimore, ready to do it. There's there's nothing like it, and so right, right. You mentioned 2018. Um, that was the you know when Zach Streif right. uh, got the job. You you uh, were one of the candidates then. Mm-hmm. Um, but you uh, withdrew when Zach Streif threw his hat in the ring. No, I wanted to. Right? I wanted. I want. I wanted to. We all did. I was, I was like, we were. It was. You know, there were other people back then. There were like four or five names that you kind of heard that were out there. Yeah. And then when Zach put his name in, I was like, I told Radio, I said, Kim, look, if I were you, 
I would hire Zach. He's the right guy for the job. I get it. Let us, you know, just get out of this thing and let Zach be the guy because he was the right he was the right guy at the right time. Yeah, totally. And so, uh, you know, okay. but we stayed. We stayed. We all stayed in it. He, and Zach didn't get the job until we were in training camp. Now, okay. Of course, he knew all the players, but I'm yeah. saying that was that was that was a long that was a long process mm. uh, that that they went through. But I was I was happy to go through the process. I learned a lot. Did some work with 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 Deuce and Zach has been enormously, unbelievably supportive uh, since he went back to coaching and then helping me and talking to me. And so he's just a super good guy, super classy, uh, very helpful, and you know didn't have to be, uh, but has been. And so I, I greatly appreciate that. So what advice has Zach given you that you're incorporating? I mean, obviously everybody wants to have their own style, but yeah, what advice has he given you? You know, that it's, it's like, he says, you, you get locked into speed. You get locked into calling the play, calling the tackle, calling the yardage. What's coming up next is like, take your time, be patient because you're so much better off if it takes you two seconds longer to wait for your spotter or your statistician to tell you exactly who the tackler was, than for you to say who the tackler was or who caught the ball. And it's not Michael Thomas, it's Trey Quan Smith. And so it's like, and he's exactly right. That two seconds at home, nobody's, nobody goes, Oh, wait, it took him forever. They don't, but if you get it wrong, you know, that's different. And so, we were really, we spoke today, we were talking about just the kind of nuances of the spotter and the statistician and Deuce and, you know, so Jim and, and Zach could not be more polar opposites and not in how they call the game and in the way that they do it. Jim was a board, he was writing, you know, he had a spotter, he had a stats guy, but Zach is technological. I mean, it's, it's an iPad and everything's here and monitors and cameras, you know, Part of this job now is what you're doing, podcasting, is yeah. what is is putting a camera in the booth and giving the people, you know, radio is TV now. So it's part of that is about talking to a younger demographic, you know, on different social media platforms to get them to do what your dad did. Not everybody knows to do that. So we have a whole generation of of young people that are coming up and like, we need to turn down the television. How am I going to hear the game? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, but we have this, we do have a platform, many platforms in which to talk to them. So it's about bringing the, the, the new visual aspects of the booth to the people. And so that's, that's part of, of, of what I'll be doing as well. Yeah. You're talking about things like, you know, Facebook and Instagram lives yeah, and things like right. that before the games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like the game and, and, <laughs> and playing calls of the game during, you can't do anything live streaming during the game, Sure, uh, but because of the NFL, but you can, you can still do things. And Zach is way ahead of the curve. His, his three years of doing this is, 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 I mean, he's, he, he's, Got the, he wanted to put the cameras up. He's got the monitors. He's got everything set up so that it goes, you know, streams back to a guy who can then post it. So, I mean, it's a it's a one man wrecking show. And Zach and and you know did it all. And you know, you know, their relationship with he and Deuce is something that you know they've always had. That's just you know you can't you can't compare that. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was cool to have in a way 
you know, for, for a couple years, you know, obviously there was no denying that, you know, a, a, a former player might have that urge to get back on the field and, and either play again. We saw with Jason Witten and Monday night football, you know, but with Zach, you know, in his case, he's back on the field coaching, you know, the saints offensive line. But, uh, so I, but I thought it was cool. You know, the, 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 the chemistry they had, you know, the, the way they framed it with Zach's handing off to deuce, you know, but, yeah. but, um, um, so what do you, um, like, like, what are you hoping, you know, to, to bring, what can fans expect from Mike Haas in the booth in terms of style, I guess. That's a, you know, I, I know I'll be ready. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little OCD. Like you say, I'm working on, you know, I got a file for the Packers game that's on September, you know, 12th. So I'll be ready. So I won't be unprepared. And then, you know, my, I want to be, I want, my goal is to be able to satisfy everybody. And this is difficult because you got people who are just listening on the radio. And you have people who are listening on the radio at the game. So, and then you have people listening at home on the radio with the television down. And so you're painting a picture, obviously, of the play, but also I want them to be able to feel the emotion. I want them to feel like they're at the game if they're not. I want them to feel what third and eight at the 18 means and what's going on. And and if you can convey that emotion and paint the picture, that's, you know, and get out of Deuce's way, which I know I'm going to do, I think that's a win, you know, and – I hope that this team scores a lot and wins a lot because, you know, they certainly have done so in the last few years. And so, but the yeah. excruciating ends, but, uh, uh, you know, but it, there's so much newness about this team that, you know, we just don't know. It's going to be fun. That to me is the fun part. I don't, you know, people say, how, what does this team be like? I, go, I don't know. We you have, know? No, that's the thing. We have no, no idea. idea, no clue. Is there any part of you that is sad or nostalgic that you won't get to call any Drew Brees passes? Yeah. I mean, it would have been, I mean, the guy's, you know, he's it, you know, he's, he's been it. And I was, maybe that's because I was a fan and I've interviewed him a couple of times, not one-on-one, but just as mm-hmm. been part of a group, but yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, although as when I was talking to Zach today, he goes, he goes, you don't understand. We'd have uh, we'd have to have a sheet up, like following his records was a nightmare enough. Every game was like he's got he's got a chance to break what six more? Oh, okay, okay, three passes. He does this four, you know. So, I mean, he just he's the record book is his, and so yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's 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 a little bit, but I mean. It's, but at least you don't have to worry smart. about the record tracker, you know. That's true. That's true. It's, it's, it's a it's a fresh start, you know. They're retooling. It's still a good team. I'm, you know, I don't understand. I mean, you're never going to replace Drew Brees. I get that, but I still think this is a playoff football team. I just do. Yeah, I think you know, I the it's wide open. That's that's what I like to think. I mean, maybe I'm the eternal. I, I know I'm an eternal optimist. Just that's just just who I am as a person. But I, I think that this team can. It's wide open for. for well, I, I agree because team. if as a, and and if if you and I or whoever if we don't know the beauty of it is the other thirty one teams have no idea yeah. what Sean Payton is going to do. I'm not even sure Sean knows at this point. So <laughs> they, but for, for since 2006, they've had mountains of video on mm-hmm. this football team and Drew Brees. They knew what the Saints were going to do. 
they still couldn't stop. That's how good Drew was. That's how good Sean was. Mm -hmm. But now they're like, well, wait, well, who's Breeze is going? Like, oh, right. So they have no idea. So I think that's the cool part. Yeah, maybe I don't know. But guess what? The other 31 teams don't know either. And I know that Sean is loving that. Yeah, yeah. I think they're getting excited, you know, getting ready for training camp. It's a, it's, it, fans should be, should be excited, I, I think. So on a scale of one to 10, Mike, rate your nerves for your first call. <laughs> you know, I, I only it's, I mean, I'm nervous about it. You don't want to mess up, but I mean, it, you know, if we talk in Green Bay or if we're talking Baltimore, True. you know, it's yeah. they're they're, an, they're different animals. And so, I mean, I'll I'll be nervous. And I'm, I've been in the business long enough to know that, you know, you just gotta when you you if you're ready, if you're unprepared, you're 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 disaster waiting to happen. If you're prepared and do your job, you'll be okay. It might not be the greatest thing in the world, but it's not gonna be you know, a disaster and do something there to, to, to shoulder the load. And so I'm, 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 you know, seven, eight, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to do it. It's, it's, it's like, I, I've told my, I told my wife, I go, everybody's been so nice. I'm doing all these, I was like, well, they're setting the bar way too high. <laughs> the bar is way too high for June. We need, you know, because I kiss my wife. She said, why? I go, do you understand Baltimore's going to have, 90 guys on their roster and we're going to have 90 guys. That's 180 people. That's a lot. And so, uh, anyway, it's just, uh, I'm, I'm glad there's only three preseason games. Right. Right. That's, that's, uh, yet another change this season, but Hey, like you said, you know, I mean, you won't be unprepared and uh, yeah, you know, saints radio, what, what I love about what I've always loved about saints radio is that it's such a staple in the, in the city, uh, people from of of all of all ages have some kind of attachment to it, and I think that the the fact that everyone can 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 identify with it in some kind of way. You know, you mentioned whether you're at the game, whether you're watching with the TV on mute, or you're in the car listening to the game, or catching the pregame show. You 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 can identify with saints radio and have some kind of memory around it. And so as the voice of the saints, I'm I'm just so excited for, for this next chapter with, with you as the play-by-play man. And you're not just doing play-by-play. You're also going to be hosting things like the, the, the fans and the pro and, and, and tell before we get into our final segment, uh, the random round, uh, tell us just a little bit about the other programming that you're going to be hosting. Well, first off, I'm I'm also keeping my job here at the Superdome, so because as if you didn't have enough, well, that, going I on. Mean, it wouldn't be. It's here's the, I wouldn't even consider it, but we're in a renovation, yeah. And so the, the the day we put the field back on, well, we're not really renovating anymore. And the day mm-hmm. the Saints end the season. We're renovating, but I'm not really doing stuff with radio. So, you know, I, I just, I, I love the renovation. I love the job here. And so, yeah, I'm, it's, I have an office in the dome. Well, I would not, you know, I, I, who wouldn't want to just stay here? Mm-hmm. So I will, we will co-host uh, the Sean Payton show. It will be Monday nights. That's an hour. Uh, and then Tuesday nights, uh, the general manager, Mickey Loomis, has a show. That will also be co-hosted. And then uh, Friday, uh pros and the fans, fans of pros, we haven't really decided on, we may, you know, there's a, 
some, some names being tossed around, but Friday from four to seven, Deuce and I will be live, hopefully someplace, you know, at a, with other people mm-hmm. uh, around it, then, then a studio. And then I'll also be guests on, you know, sports talk with Christian and Bobby and different shows. I do, I'll do Newell on Friday before the game, Tommy Tucker on Mondays after the game. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, during football season. It's a lot, but uh, you know, oh, I've, done it. I've, I've been, I've been, and, you know, I used to do I used to do high school football on Friday, travel with LSU on Saturday, and be at the Saints on Sunday, and then Sunday night fourth down on four. So, you know, I'm used to it. At least awesome. I was. Anyway. <laughs> uh, well, football season is su- right. It's such a busy time, but we we love it. We love it. It's it's one of my favorite times of year. You know, it's, it's hot right now, and in, in, in Louisiana, it's hot, and you know, during the preseason. But you know, once we get that little little hint of, of you know fall weather, yeah, you know, yes, yes, you know, maybe it'll be around week one that Green Bay game. You know, we shall see. But hey, training camp about a month from now when we're recording. So. So, hey, on that note, this has just been such a privilege to have you. So let's get into our final segment here on the show, the random round, just some quick rapid fire questions for you that we always end with, Mike. So number one, what profession other than your own would you most like to attempt? PGA, I want to be a professional golfer. That's that, still, you know. Yeah. Not over. I'm not young, you know. So yeah, I, would, I mean, golf—that's that's my passion. Definitely, you, you you thought about it in college. You could certainly, certainly have that. All right. What is a sports venue? This could certainly, possibly come to fruition this year. What is a what is a sports venue you have not been to that you'd love to visit? Oh, I've been to most of them. Uh, gosh, it's, Tennessee, we've been to Seattle, Washington, I guess we, we play the Jets. I'm, I'm curious to see the, the new building up in New York. I haven't been, I've not been there, you know, and so that'll be kind of crazy. Uh, so the, the, you know, New York, most of these buildings have been around Foxborough's been around Charlotte's been there. Washington's actually in Maryland. Seattle's very neat, but I've been there. So the ones that I haven't been there, it would be the new New York Stadium. Okay. Anything other than uh, other than football? From a venue standpoint, I'd like to go to Augusta again. Oh. If you make, make, I, mean, I went many Golf years ago. Again? So yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Fair enough. What is a food you could not live without? Steak. Steak. Excellent. Name a role model who impacted your life the most. My father. Your father? Frank Haas. He's uh, in North Carolina. I mean, I, you know, it's probably, you know, typical of it. it. It is what it is, man. You are who you are. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Ah, oh, excellent. Excellent. Frank Haas. And what, any ideas, do you think you'll have a go-to pump-up song on game day? Whoa, I hadn't thought about that. You know, I'm, uh, that's a good idea. I'll have to start and look. I get two, I have two daughters who are 20 and 22. And whenever mm-hmm. a song that they've even heard of comes on like my phone and through the car, they're like, how do you know this song? <laughs> you know, you're old and boy. So I don't, I'll have to reach out to them to, to find one because I, I, I believe in that. I believe in that whole game day mentality. And so, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to find one. 
Excellent. Do you have like a style of music that you that you like a lot? Um, I'm, 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 I'm typically, you know, an, a rock and roll guy for the 80s, 90s. But yeah. for that, for this, it would be something it would be they something different. Consult yeah. the daughters. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. All right. We'll we'll get back on that. Um, and finally, last thing, Mike, where can listeners connect more with you online? The easy way, uh, my Facebook page is uh, Hoss Communications. That was my video production company. I have Hoss Communications and at, at MikeHossCom uh, is my Twitter handle. Uh, same thing with, with Instagram. Uh, I'm, you know, if, if I had to rank them if, if, to my output, <laughs> I, I, I do Twitter a lot. My wife helps me with Facebook and I'm trying to do Instagram more. I love TikTok, but I'm just not, it's too much. I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So, the, you know, but Twitter, Facebook, and, and I'm getting better at Instagram, but hey, those three. Hey, I find if you find one platform and commit to it, grow an audience there. All right. So yes, find them on Twitter first. Definitely. Yep. My cost calm. Well, Mike, we can't wait to hear you on WWL this season as the voice of the saints. Best of luck in the final preparation stages. And thanks again for being here. You bet, Rachel. Anytime you want to talk, just give me a call. <laughs> Absolutely. We can't wait to follow up again as the Saints start training camp and hopefully have playoff bound season. The possibilities are endless. Mike, thanks yep. again. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Black and Gold Rush. Make sure to subscribe on the podcast app of your choice and leave a rating and review. Also, I'd love to connect more. Come say hey on Twitter or Instagram at RachelW504 and let me know what you thought of this episode. For show notes and more, head over to my website at rachelwjones.me. Until next time, ooh dat.